I tell everybody, when, everywhere I go and speak, they say, what's your number one challenge? Inspiring young people to hope. Yep. Mm -hmm. Before yep. I can get to the other stuff, yep. I have to get them to believe to yep. in something. Hello, and welcome to the 20th episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're glad you found us. And for those joining us again, welcome back, and thank you so much, as always, for listening. All of this is possible because of you and our amazing sponsors and partners, Evolve Her and We Will, and our podcast home, 1871, which is Chicago's premier hub for entrepreneurs, innovation, and technology. I'm Becky Carroll. I'm the president and CEO of C-Strategies, and I'm also your host. On recent episodes of the broadcast, we've spoken with political candidates, elected officials, journalists, and policymakers about the impact elections have on public policy. And this year, we've had a changing of the guard with a new Chicago mayor who campaigned, vowing to invest in neighborhoods and stem violence that has you know, plague communities throughout our city. But the city is still facing significant budget gaps and new financial constraints that will put even more pressure on our city's coffers. So will we have the resources to make an impact? On the state side, the legislature has passed new laws from gaming to cannabis legalization, while in 2020, we'll have a referendum on the ballot that hopefully, if passed, will change the way we tax income in Illinois. And all of this uh, will generate much needed revenue for the state. But will all of this be enough to address many of the root causes facing our city and state, and especially our youth, where we have opportunity to change the trajectory of their lives that can lead to a new Chicago where communities and families everywhere are thriving? So to address these questions and the future of youth in Chicago, we have three women on the show today who are leading some of Chicago's most impactful nonprofits focused on our youth. So I am super excited to welcome to the broadcast, Mikva Challenge Chicago CEO, Michelle Morales, uh, Kids Off the Block Executive Director, Diane Latiker, and a Better Chicago CEO, Elizabeth, also known as Beth Swanson. <laughs> She goes by Beth. Um, <laughs> ladies, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank Yay. you. Thank you. Um, well, thanks again for being here today. I am really excited about this topic. And, you know, I really love doing this podcast because I get to host great women like all of you who are Aww. doing great things for Chicago. That's why I started it. <laughs> I want to give you all a voice. You you earned it. And I think this is a really uh, important discussion. And I've been talking about doing this for a while and, and bringing you all together to engage in this. So while I could tick off a whole list of great things that each of you and your organizations are doing, would you mind instead giving us a quick overview of your organization, your role, and the work you do? And uh, Michelle, we can start with you. Sure. So as Becky already said, I'm the CEO of Mikva Challenge. Chicago chapter, we have uh, three chapters throughout the country. Our organization was basically founded uh, with the purpose to engage middle and high school age youth, predominantly youth of color, in civics. And so what that looks like is really getting young people to approach issues in their local communities uh, in the city of Chicago with a solution-focused lens. How can they be the answer to problems in our city, and how can they have the skill set to solve those problems? Problems. So that's kind of how we see civics. On the other side of the org, my biggest job is advocating for those young people and making sure that people are listening to them, making sure that youth voice is included in policy making and decision making in our city. Awesome. 
Beth, nice. you're new in your Thank role. Thank you. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Uh, yes, so Beth Swanson, and I am the CEO of A Better Chicago. We are a philanthropy in Chicago, the mission of fighting poverty by investing in the most effective and innovative ideas in our city that create opportunity for youth. So what that means, we go find you know phenomenal nonprofits, like some of the ones represented here at the podcast. Um, <laughs> exchange indeed. cards, exchange yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And we supply not only funding, like a typical philanthropy, but we also think about capacity building. So how can we help these organizations grow? So that might be leveraging pro bono help, strategic planning, budgeting, communications mm-hmm. help, et cetera. But to think, you know, how can we take this great organization, not only only um, seed again through support and money, but then also this capacity building. We're a little different uh, than other philanthropies, the traditional philanthropies in town, is that we raise our dollars. So over mm. our sort of young history, we've raised over $30 million wow. from oh, wow. citizens of Chicago and the region, and we have then supported tens of thousands of young people throughout wow. Chicago. So we really try to get everyone engaged and uh, mm-hmm. kind of collectively mm-hmm. in support of our youth. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I feel like clapping for both of you. <laughs> 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 both of you guys, wow. <laughs> well, Diane, you're doing some so, great uh, things too, so uh, tell us. <laughs> so nothing is, you know, I, I don't know. I just know that I, I'm, I'm just a mom. I have eight kids of my own, and the last one was at home. Just wanted to help her to graduate high school, go to college, and I thought I'd be free to go fishing or something, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Relax. But that didn't ha- right. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen, and wound up helping uh, young people, kids. Uh, actually, her friends at first, thirteen to fifteen mm-hmm. years old, in my home with homework. And then next thing I know, kids were knocking at my door that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. There were kids that wanted to get out of gangs, and kids that wanted to go back to school, yeah. and homeless kids, and. They just start coming, mm-hmm. and in the span of almost three months, there were seventy five at my house day and night, my apartment. My husband threatened to divorce me three times. <laughs> and he was like, "What are you doing?" I said, "No, but <laughs> something is happening something. here." <laughs> but aside from um, conventional like tutoring, mentoring, and yeah. sports and stuff, we do that. Mm-hmm. But what I think our niche is is that we actually know those young people, and we offer them what they really need, like a coat in the wintertime, like a ride to school because of gang lines, a night over where they can eat and get their mm-hmm. clothes washed. Whatever mm-hmm. we can do mm-hmm. right. because there's so many issues underlining what they really need. Right. And we definitely count their families in because you can't help them without their families. Right. How long have you been doing this now? This will be 16 years next wow. month. That's yes. amazing. We also feed young people and their families. Uh, the most we fed is 800 for Thanksgiving and their families. Give away 250 families during Christmas who give toys to the kids. Mm-hmm. We just, L'Oreal, I was a woman of worth, and L'Oreal gave oh, us a congratulations. building. Congratulations. They gave, to get me out of my house, they actually gave us a building, help us to get a building oh, next my door. Gosh, that's then we wanted, wow. we wanted to do a technology entrepreneurship center. The kids that we service don't have skills. Mm-hmm. Right. They just don't. Summer job and all, they they don't have any skills, and we believe that's what's going to take the power of the gun out of the hand. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear more about that, and thank you for all that you've been doing. You thank know how you. Impressed I've always been about what you've done. 
So Beth, even though the announcement of your new position at Better Chicago is just, what, a couple months-ish ago? It hasn't been long, been but a yes, a little over a month. <laughs> um, is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's a newbie. So oh, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> In some ways, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> However, she has yeah, been right. around many, yeah, many, yeah. many, many years yeah. in this space and, and always in jobs that have really been on the front lines of supporting youth in Chicago and different capacities, both the public and private sectors, and of course, CPS and the mayor's office and recently the Joyce Foundation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you kind of have a long view on this. So how would you, you know, characterize, say, progress being made over the last decade or so to support youth in Chicago? And, you know, what do you think are still some of the greatest challenges folks like you in this room yeah. are facing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's been an absolute privilege to work on those issues for 20 years in Chicago. And, you know, I think about it more in a long trajectory. I think 30 years ago, you know, the Chicago public schools were literally labeled the worst in the nation by the current mm-hmm. yeah. Secretary of Education back then. And I think looking over those last 30 years, the progress is undeniable when you look at the big metrics, right? right? So we've got graduation rates approaching um, 80%. Yes. Uh, on yeah, incredible investments from early childhood all the way through city colleges, right. test scores at all time highs, like all those big, you know, mm-hmm. things, you know, more kids enrolling and completing in college, mm-hmm. both two and four year. So, I mean, I can keep rattling right. these forever. Yeah. Uh, uh, right. But I think, I think what's hard is when you dig into that data further and you look um, across our city and across our student population and young people and you yeah. look at race and income, yeah, you see the big access, the gaps in access and the gaps in achievement. And again, it has been, everyone's moving in the right direction. So, you know, if we could have visuals on a podcast, it is, right. you know, <laughs> like all the trend lines are going the right direction for all the different subgroups of, of young people. But the gap between the peers, you know, yeah. of students of color mm-hmm. and their white peers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is just Still also persisting <laughs> and big and not not really changing, moving. Yep. not yeah. moving. And so I feel like that's sort of the the next frontier is really how how do we how do all of our children really partake in that success and how you know it's it's like share share equally in that progress mm-hmm. um, and close it yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so and that's what I, yeah, that's what I mean like that 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 top trend line is actually representative of all children, not right. you know, yeah. it, you know, not some children. And so yeah. I think that's the sort of the big challenge ahead of all of us and and mm-hmm. you know, not only what a better Chicago does and and that is absolutely our focus is around those equity gaps and how do we how do we go find the right interventions and supports and what what in what you just described entirely of all the different supports underlying just education achievement even the really basics like the having basics. a warm coat having the a basics. warm yeah. place to sleep those yeah. are the basics absolutely like, yeah, things are so different than when we all went to school yeah. you know yeah. like I, I have a 14 year old and a 21 year old well crap you turned 22 yesterday 22. <laughs> um, so it's just so 22 year olds trying to find an apartment can't find anything unless someone co-signs mm-hmm. yeah. you know that i that i didn't have that i got right. a 300 apartment. you know it's just like yep. so equity mm-hmm. based in the sense of if you don't have connections, mm-hmm. I just feel like it's moved in that direction in a degree that's mind boggling. Even as a middle class parent, I struggle mm-hmm. with my two kids to make connections no for doubt. them and things. So it's just 
Yeah, it's just super and I think I think that's not just Chicago. I mean, that's an yeah, overall right. no, I think national, national trend. Right. Yeah. That, that gap is just and it disproportionately yes. impacts people yes. of color Absolutely. without a doubt, which creates the barriers to yep. being able to get on a path to success when you can't yep. even get your own apartment without a co-signer. God knows, I wouldn't have had a co-signer when I was I wouldn't age, have either. You know, and, exactly. Right? So, so it's a no, very, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. I had an apartment at 16 years old, and I didn't even need my mom. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yep. Yep. But that, that and that was on my word, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's a different day. So, different day. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, Diane. I mean, you're literally on the front lines every day with the work that you're leading through Kids Off the Block. And I've always felt you had a very unique perspective to the challenges that young people are facing because you see it every single day and in your yeah. home, and yeah. as you have over all of these years, and. So I, I wanted to ask you this, you know, we have a new mayor and a new governor, and if they were here today, or gosh, maybe they'd even be listening, what advice would you give them about how to really best impact youth through their leadership at the city and state? So the one thing that's ravaging everything in, our, in communities like mine is violence. Mm-hmm. And so those young people who are, were once children who are already affected by it, so that affects their education, their outlook on life, hope, hopelessness. It all comes up under that umbrella. So what I would like to see them do is to commission, I don't, I don't want to call it a, a, a advice, advisory board or nothing. Mm-hmm, I don't mm-hmm. want that. Right. But, I, but I would like to, them to commission a research project mm-hmm. for all the communities that are like mine in Chicago. And whatever comes out of that, choose five of the main things. Mm-hmm that keep our communities from looking like communities that are thriving mm-hmm. and have a, a advisory panel then, that's all they do is work on those five issues to bring mm-hmm. those communities up to par because, and they have to be people who are from those communities. Yeah. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. They have to be. Right. That's who what really I, understand Yeah, it that's what I would like experience. to see because, because there's a reason that our communities are not thriving. And it could be race, it could be poverty, whatever it is, it needs to be fixed Mm -hmm. so that they can thrive. And so then young people have a reason to be hopeful and want to do things besides violence or drop out of school or join gangs. And lose that hope. (laughs) Thank you. So have you guys ever had an opportunity? Now, I know you've been able to advise mayors before and whatnot. I'm sure you've served on many panels and whatnot to give advice. Are there things that you've been able to think about that are like, gosh, if only we were able to do this, what an impact it could make? Um, I mean, we always have young people interfacing with elected officials. That's the centerpiece of our work so Mm -hmm. that young people can hear directly from those that are being impacted by the policies they're pushing through, right? right? Um, I think... What's hard is that there's a lack of will around investment. Um, There's a lack of political will and public will. And so to really, to Diane's point, to get these communities up to par, quote unquote, you have to invest. You have to put money in there. Um, And there's constantly this narrative of, well, that's too expensive. Well, yeah, it's too expensive. (laughs) As it should be. Because we're talking about the whole human and you have to dig deep. So I still have to make up. For yeah. decades yes. of, of disinvestment. Right. So, I mean, yeah. it's expensive well, and because we've made it expensive. Exactly. Have you guys seen when the doctors came together and they put out the numbers for how, how much violence cost? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. It would be a it's, drop in the bucket compared to the lives lost exactly. and the injuries that it costs. Incarceration. Incarceration. Everything. Thank you. Yes. So, I mean, that, that, that's always the frustrating point. We, we do always offer up, right, young people to give their perspective, mm-hmm. but and often then, then it's a pushback yes, on, well, there's no money for that, or mm-hmm. that's too expensive, or... Can you can you think yes. of something that's free? You know, right, right. <laughs> so it's it's a it's an inflection point that's always kind of troubling for me and always creates tension. So yeah, I love you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, you've helped to create some public policy too yeah. to help address these things. But it is true; it's always money because the one thing, right. and you know, for better or worse, you know, when people hear, "Oh, we need more money," they think more taxes, and then, you know residents don't like to hear that but then residents also want to fix things right mm-hmm. so it's like you, it's almost like finding a way to show that return on investment right that yeah. people get mm-hmm. yeah and I, I think there's investment and then there's also the structures and systems that have been put in place right. and sort of calcified over decades mm-hmm. and they're not nimble they don't change no, easily so exactly. even with the best of in Tended leaders, you know, with maybe some new policies or new ideas on spending to to change or unwind what always has been can also receive irrational pushback. Mm -hmm. You know, know, and so even though the end goal might be the right one, the path to get there can be just so convoluted and difficult, and so many obstacles. And again. Uh, you know, man-made obstacles. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At some point, they were all put up. But when is it that the system? The, the acknowledgement that the system just does not work for everyone the way it is designed and we need a new way of doing business and, and that's yeah. that's a hard And I think when you make. talk about like when people automatically assume taxes, there's also just a profound distrust of government. Mm-hmm. So And how they're going to use that money. Mm-hmm. And how they're going to use that money. So but. when is everything going to be humanized? Right. Yeah. That's yes. good. And the value. And the value yes. of the human. I mean, I, that's the way I look at our young people that we serve. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, when you have kids who are in gangs because their fathers are not there, their mothers on drugs, right. and then you're trying to pull them in, and the gang is like their family. Right. Even though a negative beings, family. we're born to belong. We want to belong. Right? And that's all we, that it I'm is. I'm 62 and still want to belong right. to somebody. <laughs> right, you exactly. Know? But I, I just don't <laughs> understand why the young people that we serve are so devalued. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a one-page ad to President Obama a couple of years ago. And he sent somebody to find me, actually, (laughs) (laughs) because of it. Yeah, when he Mm -hmm. came to Hyde Park. But Mm -hmm. I I wanted to ask, I mean, why are we always at the bottom of a totem pole? I don't get Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I do like to think that the way you change that is about bringing also more equity and diversity to people who are making the policy decisions, whether it's elected officials, the people they're hiring in government. Like, you need to have people who, like, understand and have the experience to actually know, like, no, this is something that we have to do. And I do think that is changing mm-hmm. and hopefully mm-hmm. for the better, but you can't do it overnight because it's like yeah. years, like you said, years and years and years of disinvestment. Mm-hmm. So, Michelle, when we were talking about getting you on the show, I'm like, God, everyone knows Mick Britannia. I mean, it's just like everybody, <laughs> everybody knows. <laughs> it is like, you know, yeah, if you were going right. to have like top 10 brand of everything in Chicago, I think McFit Challenge might Definitely. Um, be up there yes. on it. And it really is a very respected organization here in Chicago. So what is it about the things that you do at, at McFit Challenge that you think makes it so impactful on yeah. youth and like really gives it that, that also that brand awareness that people just want to like give their time and their money and their yeah. effort to? I think actually something that Diane said, 
youth are undervalued, right? And you either stigmatize, and if they're youth of color, they're demonized, right? And so sort of how we approach the work is we look at every, and I'm not like being facetious. So one of the stereotypes that we have as an organization that we're trying to overcome is that we cream students Mm -hmm. and that we only work with top tiered students, which isn't true. Mm -hmm. We literally see the civic potential in every kid. We work with middle schoolers, high schoolers. We work with in-school, out-of-school youth. There is no requirement to be a part of Makefield. That's also another misperception. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've had former gang mem- gang members who now are former gang members mm-hmm. come through our programming, and no one ever thought to ask them, "What do you What do you want to see different? What do you want to mm-hmm. do? What do you mm-hmm. think?" Um, we've had straight. I mean, the gamut at Mikva. So I right. think that's one of the things is that we take young people where they're at. We don't assume, we don't make presumptions about them, and then we build them, we, we build their skill sets from theirs, and mm. we very intentionally honor their lived experience. So one of the things we train young people in is that you are already coming in as an expert. Doesn't matter if you're 12, doesn't matter if you're 16, if you're 18, you are an expert in your lived experience mm-hmm. and what you have gone through and your struggles and, and how you've been treated, we want you to we want to train you on how to speak to that, too, when you're engaging with adults. We're going to help you couple it with policy, with research, and with data. And now, and is there so, ever an experience that you witnessed like that was really transformational? Like, uh, this is like what we're all about. Every day. Every day. <laughs> we just that. had a group of students graduate, quote unquote, from our work. And I cried when I gave my yeah. opening speech to them because when I looked at all of them, <laughs> I remember the student who wouldn't talk. I remember mm-hmm. the student who couldn't sit still during session. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know, the student who couldn't imagine, who came in so cynical about why would I do this? No one's going to listen to me. And yet they had all made impact on policy. They all had some transformative experience. They were all now public speakers. Love um, it, so it's, it's an incredible it. place to be a part of. Yeah. So that's I, why I couldn't do what any of you guys do. I was crying <laughs> all the time. All the time. So I just try to help you all in other ways and experience it <laughs> like, <you>. vicariously. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure that's what, to some extent, fuels all of you is that you see the impact that you oh, and people yeah. you're working with oh, are, yeah. are having on these kids. Given the work that you're doing every day, what are the things that are inspiring you the most about the future of youth in the city? And uh, I ask this because mostly we only hear the bad things, right? Mm-hmm. The violence, uh, you know, that impacts our every city day. and so much of our youth every day. But I know there's a lot more. There's good going on there, too. So mm-hmm. what are some of the things that, like, inspire you, give you hope? I'm about to burst. I just highlighted his name is Walter Williams. And at 14 years old, he and his two brothers came. Um, his mom was not there or his dad. His mm-hmm. grandmother, who was 80 years old was taking care of them. Mm. And they were 12, no, 11, 12, and 14. Walter mm. was the oldest. And they had a six-flat building. And the grandma was getting ready to lose it. Oh. And Walter had been coming to my over there to my program. Awesome young man. I knew he was going to be great when he got grown. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, you just see them mm-hmm. kids, you know, you know. Yeah. And, um, but he came to me and he said, Miss Diane, they're trying to throw my grandma, my grandmother and us out of the building. So I went to the alderman and I was, you know, my little self. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, who are you? What are you? <laughs> but anyway, so that worked out. He did help. Oh, great. But Walter has gone on through, through the gangs, tried to get him so many times and his brothers. And he was like the father over the brothers. Mm-hmm. 
and I and I helped a little bit. And Walter got a full scholarship to University of Wisconsin. Wow! And started his own business called Think Grow. I just highlighted him, and and now he's a counselor over like a thousand young people in Wisconsin. I mean, he's just he's just um, he came to see me. He surprised me last week, and that's what made me highlight him. I hadn't seen him in like five years, but I keep up with it. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. The little small thing Mm -hmm. that my house was open to him. And I fed him a couple of times. Maybe bought him a coat. Maybe took him to school. But he said, I challenged him to be great, and he accepted that challenge. And it just melted my heart. I think we forget (laughs) the power. Because I'm actually actually going through this with my 14-year-old, trying to find an adult to invest in him, right? Because as parents, we're invested, but we're also his parents. His parents. So we're supposed to be invested. (laughs) So he doesn't see it like, well, of course you guys are invested, right? right? Of course you believe in me. But there's all right. There's (laughs) all this research that to be a successful adult, you're it. Young people who have an adult outside of the household invest in them and Mm -hmm. show, right? right? Give them a meal, get them a coat, see that they need something, and invest. Actually, become a successful adults. Yep. And there's all this mm-hmm. research that support it. So your house is amazing. And it you've is. been that you person that. many times. Yeah, you saw that <laughs> in your young it people is. and you opened your home and that just gave them that spark they needed to go forward. Yeah, yeah I couldn't agree more yeah. on the adult investment piece. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. So Thrive Chicago is another organization in yeah. town that's been you know, working on sort of systemic issues of supporting youth. And yeah. they were recently working on the My Brother with My Brother's Keeper and figuring yeah. out the mm-hmm. you know, plan for the city and yeah. convening. And there was a big summit. But one of the major findings after all the focus groups of young, particularly young men out throughout all of the Chicago's communities was the idea of wanting to find their purpose. Mm-hmm. And then if you dug deeper, it was around having that adult or support mm. system to help them do that. They, it was, which is, mm-hmm. it seems so, it seems so universal, yeah. right? But it was, it was literally one of the major findings is, you know, we want to find our purpose. We want to contribute, engage, you know, and we need support to do I, that. I tell everybody, when everywhere I go and speak, they say, what's your number one challenge? Inspiring young people to hope. Yep. Mm-hmm. Before yep. I can get to the other stuff, yep. right. I have to get them to believe to yep. in something. Yep. Hope. Mm-hmm. To hope for something. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that you've definitely yeah. <laughs> achieved something great there. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully you're going to keep doing that for quite some time. And it's kind of crazy, but uh, we're almost coming to the end. Of the <laughs> We've been talking that long. Look at that. We've been really so, talking. We, we can keep going. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'm telling you, it, it flies by, especially when I feel like you connect and yeah. you really have a good topic and you know, yeah, because I got people. chills listening to them too. I, was I like, know. I, was like, wow. That's all. I think we we connect with three people, <laughs> yeah. though. You think you may have already yeah. known each other, like yeah. for for some good out of this. So <laughs> even though we are close to our close here, you know, I definitely like to give you opportunity to talk about where people can find your organization, like online, and you know how people can help. Diane. So we're at kidsofftheblock.us. Uh, we're also on 11623 South Michigan Avenue. If you come over there, you cannot miss us. There's a basketball court. There's a memorial tribute to young people killed by violence. Uh, my home is right there. My mom's home is right there. We are all right there. <laughs> uh, our office number is 773-941-6864. Stop by sometime and just meet some of the young people. Love it. I love it. 
<laughs> Mikvah Challenge website. So M I K V A, not M I K V A H, which is the Jewish sacred dance. M I K V A Challenge dot org. You can get to know our programming. We've got videos on there of our different events, our student speeches, and you know our contact information is on there. We we have uh, large scale citywide youth events about three to four times a year. So we're mm-hmm. always engaging people from the public to come hang out with young people, get to know them, and hear about their civic passion for the city. Awesome. I love it. Thank you. Great. And you can find us at abetterchicago.org. Easy to remember. So abetterchicago.org. ABC, abetterchicago.org. Yeah, And And there's lots of ways to get involved. And and literally the, the purpose of you know, our organization is to help harness dollars and more support to flow to organizations, the ones we've been talking about today, mm-hmm. and many, many more. And so we basically take the onus off of you, like the individual donor, like how do I interact with the issue of education or poverty or, or trauma? Or even have time to raise money when you're doing all this work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's, you know, we can be that vehicle. So I encourage you to go check us out. And then we also have a number of ways to get involved and volunteer on, uh, you know, helping organizations with their management capacity and other things. We have a number of different boards. Okay. People can volunteer and serve on. So we can engage you in lots of ways if you're, you know, interested in, in trying to help, you know, attack poverty in Chicago. So yes. I, I hope you will. Yes. yes. Thank you. Power in this room. I, I know. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a part two like next year or something. <laughs> well, I want to thank all my guests again for joining me today. Michelle Morales, Diane Latiker, Beth Swanson. It was a really wonderful conversation. I'm really glad I had you guys on the show. And as always, the broadcast is brought to you by C-Strategies LLC, a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help their clients meet their business goals. Thank you again to our podcast host, 1871. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, Evolve Her, Chicago's first creative co-working space for women, and We Will, which is working every day to empower women and families in the political and bill-making process. Be sure to sign up for the broadcast first live recording on Monday, June 24th, taking place at Evolve Hair, where we are going to feature the marijuana moms of the General Assembly who were able to <laughs> pass this groundbreaking legislation in Springfield. I can't wait. Free gummies. Nice. <laughs> and the broadcast is produced by our token male, uh, Tweed Thornton. Additional editing provided by Nicholas Fedora, music by Christy Bennett's Fumi Gypsy Project. And to learn more about Sea Strategies and the broadcast, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sea Strategies LLC. Nice. Thank you, Becky. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. That was fun. That was good.